0: Who dat to another Saints victory and welcome back to the Who Dat Dish podcast ladies and gentlemen. First off, our apologies for missing last week. It was a very, very important and critical week for the New Orleans Saints, but of course, we were busy with some uh, holiday stuff and and we hope you guys had a very first off happy Thanksgiving that happened last month. We hope that your holiday season so far in December is going well as well. Um, and we're, we're really happy to be back. Charlie is not with us today, but of course you can follow him on Twitter at St. Charlie. Uh, his tweets are always fantastic, talking about during the game, after the game, before the game. He always has you covered with everything Saints, and especially with the Pro Bowl snubs, which we'll get to later on in the show. He's had quite a bit to say about that too, so follow him on Twitter at St. Charlie. Uh, but as always, I'm your host, Dayton Brown, coming at you via Fansided and hoodatdish.com bringing you the best New Orleans Saints coverage that includes news, analysis, and opinions. And I'm rocking with the original member of this crew, the guy who's been with me through this year-long plus journey, uh, Tyler Raymond.
1: Tyler, what's going on, man? How's it going, man? It's great to be back. Uh, did you guys miss us? Because we missed you. I can't believe it. Not only have our Saints been kicking butt, it's the less than like, a week till Christmas. So Crazy. I, I know we're already going to be getting some awesome gifts, but, like, a gift that nobody gave me was this kick-ass, uh, excuse my language, sorry, um, awesome Saints team, so, yeah, uh, it's great to be back, man, we've got a really interesting game to, um, review, you know, uh, it was a crazy, crazy game, that Panthers game, but luckily we edged out to win, because of a very special part, not our offense this time, but our defense, so,
0: yeah, super, super interesting game, and very unique, And I'll get to that in just a second. But as always, guys, be sure to follow us on Twitter. You can follow the main podcast account, at the WDD Podcast. Uh, We're going to be ramping up, now that all all three of us aren't as busy as we were, we're going to be ramping up the tweets and the polls. So be sure to follow us to stay up to date. You can follow myself, at Dayton underscore Brown underscore. And then you can follow the guy on the other side of that mic, at Raymond Tyler M. Uh, We're always tweeting Saints-related stuff. I like to tweet a lot of just general nfl related stuff because i love the sport uh so if you're interested in that want to keep up ask us questions send us a dm follow us most of the time we, we we follow you guys back and we usually always follow back on the main podcast account uh twitter so yeah check us out there uh where you can stay up to date with all the episodes and whatnot there but yeah let, let's just jump right into this game we're also gonna be let's talking about uh, playoff picture and probable snubs and who got in for the saints later on but let's jump into the game the new orleans saints of course. Went on Monday Night Football to Carolina and got a very ugly win uh, on Monday Night. And their defense yet again dominates as they beat the Riddle Division opponent, the Panthers, and the final score was 12. 12- to nine a score that did not happen all via field goals as a lot of people would assume with with the final (laughs) score reading that um but now that the saints uh won that game they sit at 12 and 2 officially the number one team in the entire national football league
1: let's go and
0: they are one one away from clinching the first seed in the nfc meaning everything will run through the mercedes benz superdome if the saints beat the either the the steelers week 16 or the panthers at home week 17 uh so very interesting pretty much i mean there's a lot on the line it just doesn't it it doesn't necessarily feel like it because you just need one win and really what's on the line is you're either going to be number one seed number two or worst case scenario you're number three and you know uh, but you still get a home playoff game to start out so so really really interesting here especially after what we witnessed on monday night so let's let's jump into that first uh detailing Mm -hmm. the game it was very slow start for the Saints as, as we've been accustomed to the past few weeks. Um, it was seven to three. It was actually seven to zero to start out with after Christian McCaffrey threw a fifty-yard oh, yeah. touchdown pass.
1: A fluke play. A
0: fluke trick <laughs> play uh, that got. Dude, I was
1: stunned. I uh, couldn't believe
0: it. It was absolutely wild. Um, and, and that's that's really how the how the I mean the game was back and forth uh, through the first ten minutes of action, and then with about four minutes left in the first quarter, that's when the Panthers struck. A couple minutes later, Will Lutz made a field goal. So it was seven to three. Second quarter, not a whole lot of action happening other than a lot of good defensive plays. Will Lutz makes another field goal, so at halftime it's seven to six. And at that point, the Saints had been outscored what was it like thirty nine to it was like thirty nine to, um, uh, to nine or something like that. Yeah. In the first half of their last three games, so just absolutely bad bad. ratio. Right, it was thirteen to zero against uh, uh, Dallas. It was fourteen to three against Tampa Bay. Seven to six against Carolina. So very slow. Um, not really rhythmic offense there. And then, literally nothing happens scoring wise in the third quarter. A lot of back and forth going into the fourth quarter. Uh, the Saints have the ball and they're driving uh and it's seven to six still at that point and with 12 minutes left in the game alvin kamara gets a really really nice first off great play design there really really mm-hmm. nice 16 yard touchdown run that makes the score 12 to 7 of course the saints go for two uh as, as a any team would game. in that situation right make it a seven point game force the panthers to you know if they do score a touchdown uh they'd have to go for two to take the lead or kick an extra point just to tie it uh, so very smart by the saints to go for two there however a mixture of the play design and a bad, very, very bad decision by Drew Brees uh, ends up leading to a, a very, very rare pick two by Dante Jackson. Uh, former a, LSU
1: guy, too. For, former
0: LSU Tiger. Uh, Dante Jackson, very talented guy. Um, he takes it. Uh, first off, they they tracked it. He traveled over 130 yards on that run, but it was about a 99-yard pick two. Um, and, and because of that, the Panthers not only stopped the Saints from getting that two points, they got two points themselves. So that made the score twelve to nine. The Saints then stop Carolina on a drive. They don't even come close to field goal range, first off. That that was that, that was awesome. And then the Saints get the ball back. They're they're driving again with about two minutes left. The Saints go for it um, on fourth down in their own territory. Very, very nice play design. of flip. Um, uh, it was. It was a flip pitch to Alvin Kamara, as we've seen so many times. I almost before. had a heart attack. Oh man, that was so nerve wracking. Uh, he he makes a really nice move and gets the first down. It was fourth and one, uh, and 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 he moves the chains. And then a couple plays later, the Saints pull a trick play that the Panthers had done earlier in the game against them, and that the Steelers had done. Uh, against the Panthers earlier in the season as well. Uh, it was like a fake pitch and then an underneath handoff to Tom Lee Lewis right near the line of scrimmage. And, of course, Tom Lee Lewis, he's looking to score on that play. However, if you, if you watch it, if he would have just kneeled down pretty much or slid or into slid, the one-yard yeah. line, game's over because the Saints get the first down right there. Uh, they run and they're, the clock, they're able yeah. to run out the clock. Um, or they score again. Or, or they score. Exactly, exactly. They have a new set of downs and minimal time. I think there was under a minute left in the game. Instead, the infamous uh, fumble touchback happens. Tommy Lee Lewis jumps for the pylon, gets hit, ball fumbles. Only Tommy
1: Lee Lewis, man. Only
0: only TLO. That's my guy, though. That's my guy. I I can't diss him too much. Um, But, uh, you know, fumbled out of the back of the end zone, that means a touchback for the Panthers, meaning the Saints don't get any points on that drive, and the Panthers get the ball at the 20-yard line. Yet again, though, Cam Newton, not sure if it's because he's hurt, as a lot of people are saying. Not sure if he's just degrading as a quarterback overall. Did not do anything with the ball on that drive. That was their final chance to make some noise. And I believe they went three and out. I don't even think they got a first down on it. If they did, it yeah, was no, first down. Yeah, no, they didn't. I think
1: it was just four incompletions. Oh, man, absolutely it's something crazy. like that.
0: So nerve-wracking for the Saints. So the final score ends up being 12-9. to 9. Saints were able to run out the clock after that. Um, and, and, of course... Uh, Saints fans rejoiced after that. Um, And, you know, well, first off, Tyler, very, very interesting, as I was saying, unique first first final score and just overall game Mm -hmm. for both the Saints and the Panthers. Um, But there was a lot to be said good about the defense on offense not a whole lot but i do want you to highlight one aspect of this before we jump into the the meaty part of the game there was a guy on that offensive line that had to step up for the saints rookie out of lsu another time will clap you talk about him (laughs) a little bit he he had a great game
1: yeah so it's crazy because going into it um i was checking out on twitter uh so trey hendrickson was inactive and what really caught me off guard was austin carr was inactive so i was like okay they're they're moving things around so then i saw nick underhill tweeted oh yeah will Clapp is gonna be uh is gonna be acting for the first time this is gonna be his debut blah 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 well uh it's funny because uh the announcers uh, uh jason witten and whatever his guy's name is actually called him a tight end when he came in but he came in originally in jumbo packages to help block you know we've seen that other times before you have somebody line up on the outside to help block but um what happened was, not only did Max Unger go down our, our center with a, apparently a concussion, hopefully he can come back, but uh, Jamon Bushrod, our backup left uh, left tackle, or just backup lineman, because Toronto Armstead is out, went out too. So you had Pete switch over to left tackle, and then you had Will Clapp, the backup lineman, come in and do a great job at the left guard. And I tweeted PFF after the game because I was like, man, I'm really curious to know how do Will Clapp do. So... They tweeted me back, and they said that his opening performance for the Saints, he did great. His overall PFF grade was 78.2, had 19 total snaps, uh, 14 uh, in run protection, or, yeah, and 5 in pass. He was excellent in run blocking, and his overall run blocking grade was 79.9. But he did have a hit, uh, I think a hit against the linemen, so that lowered it a little bit. But they said overall it was a very good day for him for his debut. So I was really happy for that. And we've talked about it on the podcast before, man. Um, it, it's crazy, you know, how one of the weak points for the Saints is, you know, is their the backup linemen. We really don't know what to expect out of them. You know, we've had uh, Loribius before. We've had so many different linemen. And I, I'm just really happy to see something go well for them because I was worried all these different guys coming in and watch. Someone else were going to allow, like, 30 sacks in the game. Luckily, we didn't. But right. I was really happy to see that, though.
0: We mentioned during the offseason the loss of Senio Calamante, who was our Swiss Army Knife uh, offensive lineman, before uh, ends up signing with the Houston Texans during the offseason. He got paid. So um, now Cameron Tom during the game had to fill in for max Unger and then andres Pete had a slide over will clap had to fill in so that whole left side of the line including the center was all backups or guys playing out of position so uh, i think that that kind of they did uh, decent too they 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 did do a good job but i still think overall the health of the offensive line is definitely hurting drew Brees's production on the field i do think it has to do with fatigue as well but let's talk about positives first of course the the defense absolutely dominated um in, in another game it's the third game in a row where they have held opponents scoreless in the second half of the game uh and th- because those two points um for the saints did not come against the defense so uh that d- doesn't count there so third straight game not giving up a single point uh, actually it might be fourth if you include the eagles game not giving up mm-hmm. a single single point in the second half absolutely dominant and again only gave up a t- one touchdown the whole game and it came off a fluke play um they had four sacks two turnovers and great, great defensive performances by all three of these guys. Von Bell, Eli Apple, and Demario Davis. Speaking of which, <laughs> so let's let's jump into the stats. Uh, we'll we'll go both offense and defense real quick. The the guy who had the most surprising down day was Drew Brees, twenty-three of thirty-five, two hundred and three yards. He had one interception, no touchdowns, his QBR was twenty-eight point five, his passer rating was sixty-nine point one. Those are all bottom, bottom level, bottom tier uh quarterback rankings right there so unfortunately an off night for drew Brees. luckily they were still able to get the win alvin Kamara, even though it didn't seem like he was getting a whole lot of yards the entire game he ended up with 14 carries for 67 yards averaging almost five yards a carry adding in that Mm -hmm. one touchdown mark ingram had 12 carries for 63 yards including a 22-yard run he averaged over five yards a carry hopefully he'll get even more looks the next couple of games hopefully Taysom Hill had that fantastic 17-yard rush. Uh, Zach Lyon had a couple of rushes. Other than that, the only other notable rusher was Tom Lee Lewis with that one uh, carry for four yards that ended up ending in the fumble towards the end of the game. Michael Thomas Mm -hmm. led the way in receiving yards, but he only had 49 yards, seven catches, nine targets.
1: would have had a lot more if it weren't for all the penalties. What can you do?
0: Keith Kirkwood had two catches for 40 yards absolutely clutch performance by him he he converted that third and long that kept the Saints drive going uh, Alvin Kamara had seven catches himself for 36 yards, Benjamin Watson had one catch but it was a fantastic diving grab for 28 yards later on in the game and Josh Hill had uh, both of his reception ended up getting the team first downs when they needed it the most and it was great play design too, it was a tight end screen on one and then the other was a check down in open space that ended up getting uh, the Saints a first down, Tommy Lewis of course had the Fumble. Luckily, AJ Klein evened that out with a fumble recovery of his own after Von Mm -hmm. Bell punched the ball out of DJ Moore's hand after that trick play. That trick play that I was talking about. Uh, Demario Davis led the way in tackles with the team. He had eight total, four solo. He also had a sack and a tackle for loss, and add on two quarterback hits on top of that and two passes defended. He was all over the place. Uh, and, And if it wasn't for Davis, Von Bell would have gotten the defensive MVP for that game. He also had a great game seven total tackles, four solos. Uh he had a sack, a tackle for loss himself, a pass defended, uh one quarterback hit, and of course that inter or um, uh, that forced fumble on uh DJ Moore, PJ Williams and Alex Anzalone as well as Marcus Williams each had five tackles themselves. Anzalone with one tackle for loss. Anzalone, very athletic linebacker and he's 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 doing really well he's for doing the 16. Yeah. Cam Jordan, the the recent pro bowler, we'll get into that a little bit later. Alex Okafor, Sheldon Rankin's AJ Klein also had four. Um, uh, tackles themselves total with Alex Okafor coming in with a sack. And David Onyemata also had a sack himself. So total, four sacks on the team, uh, five tackles for losses, five passes defended, and five quarterback hits. Absolutely all over the place uh, for this defense. And Eli Apple had an interception himself to go along with three tackles and two passes defended. He was one of the highest-graded cornerbacks the entire week in the NFL. Props to him, hat off, fi- uh, finding his new place on this new team after trading for him. Earlier in the season, and then uh, Will Letts, of course, was two for two from field goal, had a long of forty six, and uh, I mean uh, and that's just normal stuff for for Will Letts. Now Thomas Morse ended up punting the ball four times that that, that yeah, game. Yeah, almost well. got hurt too. Almost, yeah, yeah. But uh, that penalty ended up helping the Saints out. It was a roughing the yeah, uh, saved them. Yeah, it was fantastic. So Tyler, I'll ask you this, man: Who's been the biggest successor in these defensive performances? Who would you give credit to the most over the past three games? Actually, tell me, tell me who you thought was the uh, best defensive player on Monday night's game, and then if it's a different guy for, for over the past three games, who's been the biggest reason this defense has been has been so lights out.
1: Yeah, man. It, it's crazy, too. We actually forgot to mention this already. But uh, it, it's almost like breaking news a little bit. Maybe it's because of the Saints. I don't know. But uh, Cam Newton, uh, they actually announced that he's not going to be playing in the final two day, uh, two games. Ah. They're going to be resting him. So that's probably because he took literally uh, close to 1,000 hits from the Saints, but I'm pretty happy about that. Not that he's injured, just that we don't have to play him because of, you know, uh, his technique and his ability. But um, on the defense, who sells to most me, man, it's tough. Because, like, I really want to give it to Eli Apple because of the pick that really helped, that saved points for the Saints. Um, At the same time, he had the passes defense, you know, that really helped, you know, because a lot of people like to target not Lattimore. So it always usually goes to P.J. Williams or Eli Apple. Actually, both of them have really stepped up, so I appreciate that. Von Bell, man, he he was really good, too. And Demario Davis, like we said, man, three-way tie for them. They were both really good. And what's been keeping this defense so good, honestly, like, it's been part of everything. Like, this unit right now, like, people are saying, oh, is it elite? I think it's elite. Like, when you're holding people barely any points you're getting several sacks a game multiple turnovers this defense is carrying this offense i never thought i'd say that this year but it's happening and i've actually got more stats to read too about it so the saints defense in weeks 10 10 through 15 points allowed 12.3 first in the league yards allowed 280 third in the league sacks Nearly five. Uh, first in the league and turnovers forced. 2.3. Tie for third in the league. This defense is insane, but I think it all comes up front with the front four. Mm. And, you know, I think uh, Davenport's been a huge help now. He's finally back. Oak Four's been playing really well, just about to that point where we saw from last year. Cameron Jordan, well over t- 10 sacks already. I think he's at like 12 or 13 right now. I think it's like 12 and a half. But uh, Sheldon Rankins, man, lethal spin move, everything. They've been doing great. But that's not to say, though, that the rest of the defense has been has not been performing well. The linebackers, we thought, could have been a weakness when we first got into the season. A.J. Klein has been stepping up. Mm-hmm. anzalone has been flying to the ball. Demario Davis seems to, like, hug all the tackles, and that's a great thing. And then the secondary, it's been locking up people. So I'm happy with that, you know. And, but the defense has been carrying, dude, and it's awesome. What can I say? Let's just hope... The offense gets better, you know. We'll get into that though.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, and it's definitely a new thing for Saints fans to say the defense is carrying this team. It never, never really happens. hasn't Man. happened since the Drew Brees and Sean Payton came into the. Um, e- even the year that they won the Super Bowl, that defense didn't carry them. It was still the offense. The defense of course, yeah, was. They had know, their moments, but they they, they were right, just uh, you know better better than you know how awful the the defense has been normally uh, for the Saints uh, over the years. So. Um. I yeah, and and I agree with you. I think the front four has been really impressive. Although I think no, number one guy, I, I I think I would attribute this to as well as the core he's in, Demario Davis and this linebacker Yeah, four. AJ Klein. Love you,
1: man. He's been great.
0: AJ Klein, former Panther. Uh, had a big game against his former team. Kurt Coleman, you can't really say the same about him. He, has, he hasn't he has been doing much. He's a former Panther, signed a contract with us earlier this year. It was a three-year deal, and Von Bell is starting in his place because Kurt Coleman just really can't get into the rhythm, and he's more so a linebacker than anything. But yeah. the mixture of Demario Davis, A.J. Klein, Alex Anzalone, um, have have just been you know, absolutely fantastic. When Manti Te'o's uh, active as well, he's able to make plays, but he's really yeah, just a baseline backer. He's linebacker. been a healthy, scratch though. He's he he's not as athletic as um, all these other linebackers on the team. And Demario Davis is a wily veteran who can still fly around um and and hit guys and like you said Tyler he hogs the tackles which is great you need a <laughs> linebacker like that uh so he it's great to have ball, it's great to have a leader like uh, Demario Davis there uh how hungry he is he was he was a fantastic free agent pickup and I know a lot of Saints fans are already saying he's he's the best if not one of the best free agent signings in Saints history and i yeah, mean a great dancer player. too uh, he, he is in I mean, all those locker dancer. room videos you man know. he kills it <laughs> um but and, and again, credit to the secondary, credit to the up four, uh, front four as well. But to me, it's the linebackers that have been uh, uh, really controlling this um, team and, and the way this defense has been playing. Uh, offensive woes, though, is, is what we should get into now. It's time to talk about the negative uh, offense that yeah. was only able to put up twelve points uh, against a you know Panthers defense that has struggled overall this year. They have stepped it up the past couple weeks, and they have a great pass rush, but still. Uh, and, and, of course, their linebacker duo of Keekly and Thomas Davis is, is always lights out. However, Saints' offense really needed to produce more than just 12 points. Um, and and it's, it's hard to pinpoint what's going on with the Saints' offense, but for the third straight week, they have just crumpled in front of us. Um, and we, we've played the Cowboys, the Buccaneers, and the Panthers. Cowboys have one of the top defenses in the league, so that was kind of understandable on a Thursday night to come out on the road and, you know, kind of crop the bed a little bit, so to speak, against this Cowboys. They were able to bounce back in the second half. But against the Buccaneers, luckily the Saints really did make a comeback there in that game, or else it would have been the most disappointing loss I think we would have witnessed ever because that Buccaneers defense is, is not great. It's not elite. And uh, our defense stepped up in the second half as well, so that was good. But this game was different because we didn't see a change for the offense from first half to second half. We didn't see change in play calling that much at all. We didn't really see any major adjustments. Of course, the offensive line going down was really the only major adjustment we had to make. But, Tyler, I think mm-hmm. it's the lack of receivers. It's the lack of help for Drew Brees. I know you've been vocal about this too. Uh, talk yeah, talk about why, I mean, we got Traequan Smith. Tedgan Jr. Is on IR. So we have uh, Traequan Smith, Keith Kirkwood, uh, Kamara Ingram all behind Michael Thomas for targets and receptions. Why, why are none of these guys getting it done? What is up with this wide receiver core? What is there any way to fix it besides just getting better talent? Like, like what's going I, – I think that contributes to how poor this team's offense has been.
1: Yeah. See, it it's really weird because, like, we've never really seen the offense struggle like this. And we don't know if it's really, oh, the Saints have just hit a slump and they're really struggling. Or is it the opponents we've played? Because, like you just mentioned – I'll just go through it again – Tampa, even though they didn't have the best defense, they're a division opponent. It was on the road. They know us. And every time we play in Tampa, it's a hard game. Dallas, they had a good defense. They were flying to the ball. They really limited us. And Carolina, like we just saw, they have a really good defense. Luke Heckley was literally everywhere. And they're a division opponent. It was on the road. Three straight games of road games. It was a tough stretch. It wasn't like it was Sunday, Sunday, Sunday either. I I can't give you guys the exact correlation of games, but there were stretches in between all those games where the Saints didn't get a typical amount of rest. I'm not using that as an excuse, just giving you guys something to think about. Now, with all the issues, I'll just go through the issues really quick, and then I'll say what I think's happening. So the offensive line right now isn't perfectly healthy. That's attributing to it sloppy play. Uh, If if any game could be a good example, the Saints-Panthers game, I think we have like nine penalties for eighty yards. Yep. Heck, half the penalties that we uh that were happening were uh were uh, plays that we actually made positive yards. They were just pulled right on back because of that stupid penalty. And then it seems like Drew can't find any receivers. Do we even have any on this team? Because they're acting like ghosts right now. Michael Thomas is trying, but when he's getting bracketed at double covered, he can't really do much. You know, there's only so much a great receiver can do when you have a thousand people on you. And the other receivers, you know, Traquan Smith, he has his good moments. Austin Carr was inactive, for example, this past game. They just aren't getting open or they just aren't separating enough, you know. And now it, the question is, like, I've been asking a bunch of different Saints fans, is this something that's going to continue? Is this going to get better once everybody gets healthy? Because, like you said, they in, we're weighing on, junior. Obviously, he's been out for a while. He's he's expected um, or maybe more or less hoping he comes back before the playoffs start because right now he could be a huge threat for us. Uh, if you look back at the stats, I think he had, like, 12, 13 receptions, 100-something yards, and that's when he was healthy. So, obviously, he could be a threat when he's there. But um, you have that going, and then once, hopefully, you get back, Jermon Bushrod uh, to go for the Steelers game, Max Hunger and Taron Armstead, that'll make a difference, too. But... Who knows? Maybe it could be the Saints are really just struggling. Maybe we've gotten used to the Saints scoring 30, 40 points, and every time they score under 29, we get worried. Or maybe it could just be the opponents we're playing. Um, I know uh, you guys are going to preview the Steelers game later this week. You know They've got a good defense, but at the same time, though, it's not a defense that doesn't give up a lot of points. So We'll have to see, though. It's really interesting. It's funny. Um, I actually saw it really quick. I saw it on Twitter. Uh, back, uh, This actually makes a really good point. Back when uh, we won our Super Bowl in 09, the last few games we actually lost because it sort of looked like mm-hmm. the Saints were slumping a bit. And then, as people put it on Twitter, Sean Payton opened the floodgates against Arizona, and the Saints went ham on him. So maybe this is a Sean Payton thing. Hey, let's be a little restrictive, and uh, let's really like uh, underperform and, and then really go ballistic on people once we get to the playoffs. I don't know. But it's it's definitely concerning me because I really want the Saints team to like perform like the Super Bowl team they're capable of being, you know. Right. But it's definitely it's it's irritating. But what do you think <clears> though?
0: <throat> yeah, well, uh, I, I agree with you. And I, you know, the Saints when they won that Super Bowl back in '09, lost the final three games of the season in a row against teams they definitely should have beat. I mean, other than uh, the, that Cowboys game was was actually. Uh, uh, pretty pretty good matchup there. But other than that, the last two games, I think it was the Buccaneers and the Panthers. The Panthers, yeah. Um, two teams that the Saints had really no business losing to. Uh, ended up losing to uh, all three of those teams. Uh, going into the playoffs, and, and I do think teams either underestimated them or the Saints were able to cover up some play calling that they were going to save for the playoffs and then, like you said, open up the floodgates uh, against a team like Arizona who was uh, very, very good defensively uh, and and had a fairly high-powered offense as well. So I think that has to do with that. I think the main thing, though, this all has to do with especially the way Drew Brees has been performing um, or or the lack thereof performance from Brees is fatigue. This team had a bye week in week five. We've had to play very tough. Vikings, Rams. You just mentioned three straight road games in a row, two of them on Thursday night. Uh, one of them against our biddle rivals in the um, uh, Atlanta Falcons. Next week, you got to go up against a surging defense in the in the Dallas Cowboys. All of this just tires you out. It makes you fatigue, especially if you're a 39-year-old quarterback who has to carry the weight of this offense, so to speak, um, because everything centers around Drew Brees. And No matter how good Kamara and Ingram are in the backfield, Everything starts with Drew Brees and how he's able to perform. So I do think fatigue has to do with it, um, and hopefully uh, Sean Payton pulling back has to do with it as well, and we're stay- still able to get week- uh, wins two weeks in a row. Uh, super impressive. But going back on what you are talking about, penalties – nine penalties for 80 yards for the Saints. Panthers only had four penalties for 48 yards. Um, and the biggest one was that roughing the punter penalty. Other than that, it would have been, uh, three penalties for uh, 33 yards, which really isn't anything at all. Um, each team had two turnovers, but I think the most important part, and this had to do a lot with what happened in the second half time of possession, the saints over 35 minutes, Panthers under 25 minutes. So Mm -hmm. when the saints are able to control the ball, uh, which they showed. I mean, they had l- – l- let me pull up real quick because they had some drives that lasted quite a long time. So they had a drive that lasted 5 minutes and 50 seconds that led to the field goal there uh, in the second quarter, uh, and then both in the – or, excuse me, that was, that was their drive in the first quarter. Um, they had a drive that lasted 6 minutes and 13 seconds – and then they also had a drive that lasted seven minutes and seven seconds. And that was – they were both in the fourth quarter. Actually, one of them went from the third into the fourth. So just literally knocking off time off the clock, getting your offense into a rhythm and having theirs sit on the cold sideline, not being able to get into any sort of groove, That, that I think that was the key in victory for us. Um, these long drives, and you got to credit that to Sean Payne and Pete Carmack for mm-hmm. being able to drop plays. Uh, I know. Uh, I wish they would have done this more in the first half, but drop plays that got the Saints <laughs> down the field, not using uh, a minimal time, not not scoring quickly or anything, eating the clock, knowing also trusting your defense. That's why they went for it so much on on fourth down. Did not for a field goal a couple times there in the red zone. They trust the mm-hmm. defense. So I think I think overall that was the key to the game with the with the struggling offense. Um, but overall, I, I I don't know how these woes are going to stop unless we get healthy. If Ted Ginn Jr. comes back. I think then Drew Brees is going to be able to start launching some more balls down the field. Because Michael Thomas, even though he's fast, he doesn't have elite speed. Uh, And the only way he's able to burn guys is if there's some sort of blown coverage or on a slant that he's able to have some yards after catch. Which, by the way, I absolutely one of my favorite things to watch during Saints game is after Michael Thomas catches the ball, gets first down or whatever, when his little cockiness comes out, flips the ball, and starts playing. I love it. that's, That's some of my favorite stuff to watch because... (laughs) <laughs> he, he's letting the defense know, "Hey, I'm you the can't num- stop me You can't stop me. I'm the number one guy on this team. You guys know you have to have eyes on me, and I'm still able to get these catches and get first down. So, shout out yeah. to Mike. Can't guard Mike. <laughs> uh, great receiver out there. So, um, but other than that, behind him, the, the the core is just in shambles. Hopefully, this offensive line gets better, and maybe that'll start helping Drew. But I do think he's suffering a little bit from fatigue, so that's why the buy in the in the playoffs will be critical. Mm-hmm. If the Saints beat the Steelers. Guarantee you, team they probably rest rests the starters week 17 against the Panthers at home. And then they also have a week off to, uh, if, if they're the number one seed, they get a week off after that as well. So that's two weeks off for the team. Well needed. Uh, and I think that's why the number one seed is also very important, other than it being home field advantage. But really impressive uh, uh, road victories past two weeks, right? Uh, going yeah. against the Bucks, who we had lost to last, yeah, last year, uh, week mm-hmm. 17 in Tampa Bay. Beat the Bucks and then Carolina. Even though we had won thirty-one to thirteen last year against Carolina or thirty-four to thirteen, it was still nice to go on the road and get a victory, even if we did squeak it by. Road road wins are really important, especially uh, divisional ones. So now the last two games are home for the Saints. They they got to strap up. Uh, and I mean, like barely barely a month ago, the offense really wasn't an issue. Uh, dominated against Cincinnati, Philadelphia. The the win against Atlanta was really impressive as well. And now they're they're struggling, and uh, I think fatigue is the biggest problem. You don't really see a flip flop of an offense like that um, unless mm-hmm. they're just getting tired because the schemes are the same, most of the play calling is the same. Uh, maybe 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 those teams are kind of figuring that. I, I I really don't know. I I, I do think yeah. it has to do with fatigue, um, and hopefully it has to do with them pulling back a little bit. But um, any more thoughts on the game, Tyler? Before yeah. we move on,
1: a-, a little bit. So I think you know going positively. Uh, you mentioned it. Uh, with the time of possession. I think they mentioned it during the game, too. The past few games, I think it's been a while, actually. The Saints lead the NFL in, I think, minutes possessed in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. They're ex- they're extremely accurate. They're a great team when it comes to managing the clock, managing the time, and, and I think that's why uh, we've seen uh, other games, whether that be the Saints are behind or they're just, you know, scoring more points. They're great in they're great in the second half and they're great in the fourth quarter. So I had to mention that. I think uh, it's funny. I never really uh, thought about that. You know, it could be them just being tired, you know, and, you know, sometimes that could maybe, maybe that's why they're getting hurt. Maybe that's why they're underperforming, but we'll have to see, though. You know, it's, it's crazy. And I think the Steelers are going to be a really good test to see how the Saints are right now because it's a home game. You know, they come home. They only got six days of rest before that to play, but. You know, hopefully, hopefully things turn around. You know, and because I think right now I'm telling you, if if the Saints can figure out what's happening, and if they could just get to that point, all they need to do is win one more game. They win that game, rest are starters, they get two weeks of rest between week 17 if the rest are starters, and then the following week when they're not playing because of the. Uh, the, the first round, you know, they don't have to play, et cetera. So, you get those two weeks, I'm willing to bet you, Teggit Jr. hopefully is back. Mm. Teron Armstead, Max Hunger, Jamon Bushrod, if they aren't already back, we'll be back. That's like, you're good to go offense, playing at, uh, high, uh the very highest it could be. It's going to be amazing. But I, I just hope we can get one more win, you know, and I think hopefully we should be able to, though, you know.
0: Yeah. Also, guys... Please stop asking Nick Underhill on Twitter if Ted Ginn Jr. is coming back. Please stop <laughs> soon.
1: Hopefully soon.
0: Hopefully oh, soon. man. he
1: literally wrote it in his bio. I you know,
0: and look good because I, I'm I'm still I'm sure people are still asking him the question even though it's in his bio. But please stop asking our friend Nick Underhill if Ted Ginn's coming back. He 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 really wants you guys to know that he's still an IR and is not designated to come back yet. Just, yeah. just just stop asking him, okay? When Ted Ginn Jr. <laughs> comes back, Ted Ginn Jr. will come back, and you'll know it, okay? Nick Nick will probably be the first guy on the scene to tweet about it. Stop yeah. asking him. Just just knock it <laughs> off, man. He's getting annoyed. Um, let's get into some playoff picture stuff. Yeah,
1: let's, let's get stuff. into it, man. So uh, we've been away for a little while, guys. And in case you guys have been living under a rock, we want to fill you guys in with everything that's been happening around the NFL. Of course, we cover the New Orleans Saints, but there are 31 other teams. And some of those teams are making the playoffs. So I've got the playoff picture right here. Uh, for the divisional round, right now for the NFC, you would have the uh, the first seed being the Saints, of course. If they win one more game, they lock it up. Uh, for the second seed, standing right now, you have the uh, flip-flopping Rams, who have lost uh, three out of their last six. So uh, look into that. They'll be the second seed. For the third seed, you have the very dominant Chicago Bears, led by a very young Mitch Uh And then you've got Cleo Mack and all, those, all that good stuff. The fourth seed, surprisingly, out of the NFC East. It isn't a uh, completely rock-solid stone yet, you've got the Dallas Cowboys. For the fifth seed, you have the Minnesota Vikings, and then the sixth seed, you have the Seattle Seahawks. And then within one game, you have the Philadelphia Eagles and the quarterbackless Washington Redskins. For the AFC, you have the Kansas City Chiefs, led by Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes at the first seed. The second seed, you've got Deshaun Watson, that great defense uh, with the Houston Texans. The third seed, you've got the uh, New England Patriots. And the fourth seed, you have the Pittsburgh Steelers, so the Saints are playing this Sunday. And then the fifth seed, you have the uh, uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Almost said that. And then the sixth said San seed. Diego. Yeah, I almost <laughs> said San Diego. Then the sixth seed, you've got the Baltimore Ravens. And then one game behind, or within one game, That could potentially make the playoffs you've got the tennessee titans and then the indianapolis colts so it's going to be really crazy to see how this all plays out and i'm really curious to see right now how everything pans out who are the saints get revenge uh revenge on in the postseason if the eagles make it i have a lot of friends that are eagles fans but dean let me ask you this man who are you most worried and least worried about uh having the saints play in the postseason
0: uh, well, I'm most worried about overall probably – I mean, I'm, I'm worried about a lot of these teams. The 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 Rams, you, you never know what you get with them when they have an offense like that and they play so well in controlled environments. Uh, playing in the Dome uh, for for them could be a whole different story in the playoffs. So I, I'm, of course, worried about them. The Bears' defense scares me as yeah, well. Yeah,
1: the Bears worry me.
0: The, the, I mean, credit to them for putting together that fantastic defense and getting that trade for Colomac because it has definitely paid off. They worry me. Dallas – uh, r- really, the only teams that don't worry me uh, currently in the playoffs right now is Seattle and Minnesota. The only reason Seattle doesn't worry me is just because they've had to deal with injuries, and of course they bounce back, but I still think their defense is very suspect. I mean, they just lost to the Niners um, mm-hmm. in overtime. And then the the Vikings, we've, of course, already beat this year, uh, and unless Dalvin Cook is going for 200 yards every single game, they're not going to be able to keep up with, with a lot of these offenses in the playoffs. Vikings don't really worry me. Eagles also don't worry me. Redskins do not worry me at all. And then the only other team that has a slight chance of making it after them uh, is Carolina, and they don't worry me at all. So really, it's just yeah. L.A. Rams, Chicago Bears, and Dallas Cowboys. If I had to pick uh, a team that worried me the most out of all those guys, I'd say the Chicago Bears. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, that we, we, we just don't know what to expect from them, that defense. They are, their offense, because of Matt Nagy, the play calling for them—they're utilizing their weapons like Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard. They have one of the better offensive lines protecting Mitch Trubisky, who is on when he's not pressured. Uh, <laughs> su- super impressive team uh, the Bears are. So I'd, I'd, pro- I'd probably go with the Bears. What, Me what too. are you thinking? Yeah, Bears. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because I feel like right now, looking at like I like to look at I like to look at the teams and see well how good is their offense versus how good is their defense, how balanced of a team they are, how how far they projected to go, everything like that. The Vikings, they've sort of sizzled. The Seahawks are not really threat. Dallas has a good defense, but the offense doesn't really match and mm-hmm. looks really hot. Chicago, I feel like they have the best combination outside of the Saints for that. Like, sure, the Rams have a great offense. Their defense is suspect. The Bears have a great defense. And when Mitch Chubisky isn't turning the ball over, their offense can be really explosive. So for that, it would probably be the NFC. But I've got one more question for you, man. Before we get into the Pro Bowl, all the snubs and everything that happened, who do you think uh, out of the AFC is um, the biggest threat to the Saints and why? You've got a lot of different options here. You've got the Patriots, the Texans, the Chiefs, Chargers, Steelers perhaps. Who would you say and why?
0: I'm, I'm, so obviously Kansas City, when they're on, they're on, and they're they're scary. But they've lost some games recently. They're looking mortal. Uh, and that usually happens with Kansas City. If you look over the years with Andy Reid, they get out to— I mean, th- this team started out 5-0 and last year. They ended up finishing, what, 10-6. and uh, Did not have a good second half of the year. Um, so Kansas City is definitely suspect, especially in the playoffs. They always tend to, like, blow a lead or lose in the first round where they're not supposed to. I'm going with uh, two teams that, that really, really worry me. Houston okay. and Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers, first off, are surging right now. Phillip Rivers, a veteran quarterback, uh, knows how to win games. That, that, that's Phil Rivers' specialty. He knows how to go down and win games. He'll win you games. He de- Pressure does not exist to, to Phillip Rivers. He does not crack under any pressure. We saw it against yeah. Kansas City Thursday night, going down and, and winning that game for them uh, in Arrowhead Stadium, one of the toughest places to play as an opponent. Uh, going down there like it's nothing and, and capping off that win for them, going for two um, and, and getting that victory. And he he has the weapons around him too. Uh, when Melvin Gordon's healthy, Austin Eckler is great out of the backfield too as a utility guy. Mike Williams is coming into his own after missing his rookie season with an injury. Derwin mm-hmm. James. I mean, Chargers have the most pro bowlers out of any team. They have seven pro bowlers. Melvin Ingram, Derwin James on the defensive side of the ball. They also have one other linebacker who I'm spacing his name right now, but fantastic defense. And of course, that offense with the weapons that they have. Antonio Gates, the veteran, too, they're at tight end. So, Chargers worry me. Texans also worry me simply because their defense is just nonstop. Their defense will smother you, they'll force turnovers. And when Deshaun Watson has good field position, he's able to do a lot, a whole lot, especially throwing guys like Nuke the Bomb, DeAndre Hopkins, great guy, Bill O'Brien, really is a quarterback whisperer. I mean, I know that he's struggled over the years with some of these like, B-list quarterbacks he's had over there uh, down in Houston, but he's won a playoff game with TJ Yates. He's been able to win games with Brian Hoyer, who absolutely <laughs> didn't do anything in Cleveland. So Bill O'Brien knows how to control quarterbacks, and Deshaun Watson is a prime example of that. So... Houston and, yeah. and the Chargers, I those who those two teams worry me the most for sure.
1: For me, really quick, I think if the Saints could limit the uh, the uh, the Chiefs, I think they'd be okay because the Chiefs' defense doesn't really scare me. Right. It's just they're a team right now. Their offense is just so explosive. You don't bring up the defense because no matter what the defense gives up, the offense seems to bypass it. And I agree with you, though. I think right now the the Chargers are very scary. You know, I think it'd be crazy uh, for a storyline, uh, Drew Brees versus his old team. You know, Phillip mm-hmm. Rivers, the dude who has never really won a Super Bowl, never really did anything that huge compared to the other quarterbacks in his class, like Big Ben and Eli. Um, Texans would still be a huge matchup. You know, you'd have the Michael Thomas versus... De- DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt's surprising, man. Mm-hmm. He's, like, one of the top three, top five players in the NFL right now with sacks. I, right. I can't believe that. I, I, I didn't realize he was already over, like, 14. It's nuts. But, um, wow. yeah, those three teams, the Patriots don't scare me, Steelers. <laughs> Ryan, if you're listening, the Steelers don't scare me. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just going to say that flat out loud. But, yeah, that's the playoff picture right now. Well, obviously, guys, as the weeks progress, you know, and hopefully – Uh, When we review the Steelers game uh, next week, you'll know that the Saints won, that we clinched the first seed, and there'll be smooth sailing hopefully from there. But let's get into the Pro Bowl. So, yeah, every year uh, the NFL likes to have the Pro Bowl. You know, a bunch of different players at the respected positions in the NFC versus the AFC. That's how they have the format this year, guys. Uh, It used to be it was a mix of of the two conferences. Now it's one versus the other. But um, for the Saints, obviously, we all like to know who made it, who didn't make it. So let's start off with the positives. You had five Saints going. wasn't the most, but it wasn't the least. You had, of course, a GOAT, Drew Brees. He made it. Michael Thomas, he made it too. Cameron Jordan and Toronto Arms said those are four are denoted as the starters. And then you have the Ma- uh, Max Unger. Uh, he got to go, but he's going to be a backup uh, center. For the players that didn't make it, arguably... You've got Sheldon Rankins, Will Lutz, Demario Davis, and Alvin Kamara. And really quick, I'm just going to read off uh, from the AFC and the NFC some of the highlighted players that made it. So, of course, you have for the AFC, Pat Mahomes, James Conner. Let's see, DeAndre Hopkins, Travis Kelsey. Uh, let's see here, uh, Miles Garrett, J.J. Watt, Melvin Ingram, a bunch of different guys, uh, Stephon Gilmore, Xavier Howard, Jalen Ramsey, David Clowney, Jamal Adams, and then for the NFC, of course, we mentioned the Saints players. Fortunately, not Kamara, though. I still can't believe that. Um, Aaron Rodgers, Jerry Goff, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, Todd Gurley. Obviously, whoever the Saints play in the Super Bowl, uh, both uh, the Saints players and the AFC players won't be in the Pro Bowl, but uh, a bunch of different players. So you have, you know, DeMarcus Lawrence, Luke Keckley, Cleo Mack, everybody, practically. But uh, I'll throw it to you, Dayton, man. Who was your biggest snub uh, for the Saints for the Pro Bowl? And just what can't you believe how it happened? Just, like, give me your thoughts, man. What do you think?
0: Yeah. Well, first off, congrats to the five Saints that did make the Pro Bowl. Uh, but Agreed. But I'm most surprised. I, I know I know Kamara uh, is up there as being a big surprise. Uh, Justin Hardy as well. Uh, I don't think there's been a better gunner or special teams guy overall in the league uh, than Hardy. Uh, I think he should have made it. it. To me, the biggest snub is, is Will Lutz. He's been... He's only missed one field goal this entire year. Uh, hasn't missed an extra point. He's he's been just lights out. He's been the consistent kicker the Saints have been looking for for years, and this is only exactly. his second season. Yeah, this is only his second year in the league, and he's just absolutely dominating. So I think he's the biggest now. When you look at Kamara, the only reason Kamara really got snubbed, I know he's number one yeah, in he's great in,
1: running backs ahead of him.
0: Yeah, I know he's only yeah, exactly he's, only, he's he's number one in the league in, in total touchdowns, but scrimmage yards in the entire league. One, two, and three is Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott, and uh, Saquon Barkley, which are the three running backs who made the Pro Bowl, all three out of the NFC. Fourth is Christian McCaffrey, who also plays in the NFC. I think fifth is James Conner, and then after that, Kamara is sixth. So Kamara was just SOL. He 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 was out of luck. Um, yeah, <laughs> But I definitely think Hardy got snubbed real bad. I think Will Lutz got snubbed real bad. Sheldon Rankins, even with a fairly stacked, again, position there in the NFC at, at defensive tackle, uh, his numbers were better than a lot of these other guys, but none, none more snubbed. Um, Will Lutz is number one on my list, but more snubbed other than special teams, Demario mm-hmm. Davis, Demario yeah. freaking, De- I mean, he has Anthony Barr got in instead of Davis. Davis has can't believe that. over double the amount of tackles this season. He has more sacks and one more forced fumble than, than Barr. It's a popularity contest. I, I always look at the all pro who who, who makes the all pro team. That's really mm-hmm. what I care about because Pro Bowl votes vie so much on um, popularity and fan votes, whereas it really should go down to experts voting on it. Or experts vote. Experts vote at least counting more than uh, fan voting. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm very disappointed that Lutz and Davis didn't make it. Same with Camara and and Hardy. But Lutz and Davis top my list, man. What about you?
1: I think first of all, Demario Davis. Uh, I'll, the second this episode goes up, I'm gonna tweet him and tell him how much we love the man. He's a beast, man. Like like I mentioned earlier, he he runs straight after dudes, like. He wraps him up great. Like, he's 250 pounds of literal awesomeness. Like, I can't tell you. Since Jonathan Velma, like, there hasn't been a linebacker like DeMario Davis that has made that impact for the Saints. Like, every single game, his presence is felt. Like, at the very beginning of the game for the Saints against the Panthers, DeMario Davis runs right up the middle. Boom! Insta-sack against Cam Newton just takes him out for, I think it was like a 10-year loss. The dude is on fire, and he right now he's leading the Saints in tackles. I think he – I'll have to look up the stats later, but I think if he isn't already over 100, I think he's close to it. But the dude's been on fire, though. He's been helping everybody. Like, the linebackers this year for the Saints are the perfect complement to their outstanding defensive line. And what tomorrow Davis has been able to do is, like, like – Right now, let's say the Saints linebacker is about a five. The second DeMarco Davis got, like, plugged in, cranked it right up to an 11. Like, I just – I still can't believe he didn't make it. But it's okay because, like, with that being said, though, like, it's just a Pro Bowl. You know, it's just a more notch on a belt. Obviously, you want the bigger belt. You want the Super Bowl. And hopefully he'll help help us get there. But I really – I'm surprised Sheldon Rankins didn't get in there too with his little shimmy dance and his, mm-hmm. uh, his spin move. The dude's been on fire this year, and he's been eating a lot of double teams. He's been clogging up the middle. He's been running over people. The dude is on fire, and, like, he's been insane. And I- I'm really surprised those guys didn't make it. But we have to give props, too, though. Like you said, Justin Hardy, well Lutz, all those guys. The Saints have a lot of great players. And, unfortunately, I guess in the NFL, it can't just be one side where you take all the best players from one team and put them in the Pro Bowl. But what can I say? You know, uh, this is just a Pro Bowl, and in the end, uh, I'm content with getting the Super Bowl, so the Pro Bowl doesn't yeah. exactly matter that much.
0: I've but. hated the Pro Bowl ever since they took it out of Hawaii and made it the week before the Super Bowl. I that, know. like Both of those moves I are love just the moves stupid. In
1: Hawaii.
0: Yeah, the yeah. Pro Bowls in Hawaii let's tradition, and then the week after the Super Bowl, so that players who deserve to play in that game can. But also, it's just, I mean such a physical sport as as uh, football you can't really have any exhibition games without worrying about injuries so that's that's why the quality of it has just gone down in the recent years but the the honor and the nod is good but it needs to be done by experts not so much fan voting but that's just my two cents so uh, no i agree
1: with you man i agree absolutely, absolutely.
0: That's all the time we have for today. If you guys agree or disagree with anything we talked about, both the game, playoff picture, as well as the Pro Bowl snubs and dubs for the Saints, tweet us at the WDD Podcast. We'll be sure to get back to you and uh, feature you probably in the next episode as well. We, we, we love doing that. We love reading off tweets. Um, and also, before we go, actually, um, before I throw it to Tyler for the sign-off, I'm going to pull up some of the things uh, Charlie wanted to mention Um, Oh, yeah, we forgot to mention that. Sorry, Charlie. We'll we'll mention it right now towards the end of the show. Uh, These are Charlie's thoughts on the game. He just sent us the – mainly just in tweet form. He said, admittedly, I've rewatched the Saints-Panthers game twice now. One thing on offense I've noticed is guys aren't finishing blocks through the whistle on run fits. Got to get back to grinding, people. Uh, Don't beat me up, but I miss Brandon Coleman blocking on the outside. I do too, (laughs) man. I miss Brandon Coleman a whole lot. Um, And he also said, positive, Charlie. We just finished up a tough three-game road stretch, which is what Tyler and I were talking about earlier. The Cowboys were amped up and fighting for their division. The other two games are versus division opponents desperate to cling to playoff life. Get healthy, get home, get back on track offensively. Uh, couldn't have said it better myself. And then also, who we forgot to mention, Dan Arnold uh, had a couple of drops. He said two drop passes from our tight ends away from probably having a better game offensively. Dan Arnold hangs on to that ball. Great defensive play, by the way, by Shaq Thompson to, to make that play. But... Uh, Knocks it out of Dan Arnold's hands, that led to the interception by Bradbury, and uh, it was just kind of a mess. Luckily, Eli Apple did get get that interception, so Carolina didn't come away with any points. But uh, speaking of Eli's interception, Charlie said Eli Apple's interception was textbook press coverage and got his hands on funches at the line. Flipped his hips when he realized it was a fade. Turned his head around immediately. Found the ball and came down with it. Just perfect. And yeah, it was. It was absolutely textbook. And he also said the defensive unit is elite and the best we've had. in the paint and breeze era, which is what I mentioned earlier, they're good enough to win tough games when the O is off. Uh, so yeah, Charlie, same page as us for the most part. Um, it's great to see that. But um, yeah, again, guys, uh, be sure to follow us and tweet us uh, whenever you can. But I'm going to throw it to Tyler for the sign-off.
1: Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, sorry, Charlie, you couldn't be here. But uh, later in the week, I because of work, unfortunately, I, I can't make the preview episode. But you'll have the amazing, amazing voices of Charlie and Dayton in a preview episode. So look out for that. But as always, though, so, guys, this is where you can follow our social media. This primarily focuses on Twitter for the most part. So follow us on Twitter at the WDD Podcast. That's where you can find our official Who at this Podcast account. You follow Dayton Brown at Dayton underscore Brown underscore Charlie wasn't here, but you can still follow him. Message us, uh, tell him we sent you a uh, uh, from uh, you know this uh, podcast episode. Uh, you can follow him at Saint Charlie. You can follow me at Raymond Tyler M. Uh, make sure to check out uh, where we post articles. Uh, that's you know uh, on Facebook, for example. We also just everything we do, we do a lot of it on Facebook too. Just uh, hoodatdish.com. Check that out. Everything. Make sure to check out our podcast episode links. You can find them on the internet uh, at spreaker.com and on iTunes. Just search the this podcast. You'll find us there. We appreciate the love and support, guys. Uh, it's awesome. You guys are awesome. So,
0: Yeah, again, thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. Uh, the next episode will actually be recorded tomorrow on Thursday. So be sure to look out for that as well. But follow everything we have going on Twitter. That's where you can find. Everything up to date, most important place you could follow us on, besides, of course, Spreaker and iTunes. Be sure to rate us on iTunes as well. Five stars if you enjoy the podcast goes a long way for us, and we thank you in advance. But we'll talk to you guys very, very soon. Thanks for tuning in this week. And as always,
1: who